And so folks watching and listening, please support Jamar, you know, because he and others like him are the linkage that allows all those parts of the parts of the body to communicate with each other, to interact with each other, to, to link with one another. Without this communication piece, we're just all doing our things separately. And so right. please support this platform, other platforms, uh, other people like Jamar who are doing this work, because that's what we need to move this movement forward, grow it, build it, and eventually win. You're damn right, Matthew Ho. Um, <laughs> and he's doing amazing work out in North Carolina. Um, so so freaking dope um, how they were able to, like, stop the Democrats from trying to block them from getting on the ballot and going all the way up to, the, the to like, uh, I think it was uh, the Supreme Court of North Carolina, and now they were recognized as a party and stuff like that, especially when after almost getting kicked off, but that's dope. <laughs> I have Tanya Berkeley with me, everybody. Um, you remember her from um, last season. She's an artist, and she's also a badass activist, and we're going to get right into what we always do, calling out capitalism, especially with what's happening this, this past week with a lot of talks about the U.S. crisis with <laughs> infrastructure, and then we're going to chime in a little bit about Amtrak. I don't know how much you know about Amtrak, but we can talk about that lastly. <laughs> um, so uh, thank you so much for coming on, Tanya. Um, I think this is really, really good conversation to have uh, with, with with the audience and um, also putting tribute uh, a tribute to everyone that's like well, contributing to everyone that's already talking about this. Like this is a struggle that literally is not new. Um, but it definitely is something that comes up time for time, twenty four seven. Like, because we literally live in a place where, in a system that says it's first world, but everything from transportation to houses, it's like everything is just bad. There's nobody to fix it. Like, uh, crisis with Jackson, just like, and it always ends up like minority. Hoods in low income neighborhoods with this issue, it's no money for that to fix it. To get the Ukraine or causes bond, there's billions of dollars, there's nothing to fix the actual infrastructure of this country. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I was just uh up in Boston where I know they've been dealing with, uh, I think it was the orange line caught on fire, and wow. the whole orange line has been shut down for a long time, and I believe they're shutting down some of the other lines too, to just do some maintenance stuff on all of them, but there's definitely all kinds of uh, infrastructure failings all over this country uh, that yeah. aren't being addressed nearly sufficiently enough because we're going to see like these kinds of things happening uh you know like when biden showed up to advertise for his uh infrastructure plan uh back when they yeah. were pushing that and then the bridge collapsed as soon as he arrived uh, in the city and which and, bridge was that that um, was um i forget which one exactly i think it was in like chicago or baltimore yeah or somewhere in there and um but yeah, like luckily nobody was killed in that. Uh, there was just right. uh, some uh, injuries, but 
you know, we're going to be seeing lots of uh, these kinds of things happening. And, you know, like you said, there's not nearly enough funding going into infrastructure as it is. Uh, like, I think, like, Biden's bill was like 1.2 trillion, but I was uh, just looking it up today just to uh, make sure I got the numbers right. But right. I believe like infrastructure as it stands in the United States is already something close to three trillion backed up in oh my like God. behind, and they're they uh, the ASCE, uh, the Civil Engineers. Uh, basically for the nation uh they released uh this whole report that i always recommend people to look at and just sort of like the dire state of our infrastructure because yeah they had done that number of the three trillion as well as uh they predicted that just to maintain you know the infrastructure we're going to need 13 trillion over the next 20 years whereas our current infrastructure plan has just one trillion over the next 10 years so so definitely so this is a lot of wear and tear. Is this what they're estimating? Just like how much wear and tear damage that is this for the whole country that there's 13 trillion dollars worth of wear and tear damage in this country, basically. Yes, basically. And they're oh my God. predicting that, you know, equivalent amounts of uh, GDP loss and job loss and other things are going to be upwards in that same area of 13 trillion, uh, possibly like over that same period of, in terms of economic loss and job loss is going to be huge as a result of the infrastructure kind of beginning to collapse. Um, mm-hmm. So sort of kind of an ongoing theme of, uh, you know, economic and imperial decline in the United States is uh, yeah. this, you know, this is such a prominent example of it. I think anybody in the United States can go out and just see the condition of the infrastructure and the roads and everything else and traffic being backed up all the time. I just had to wait in like an hour of traffic today because they were yeah. uh, trying to rebuild some of the roads and like, yeah, no, there's certainly so much more funding needs to be going to things like rail and other networks and that they just aren't. They're going, you know, mostly to, as you mentioned, re- Ukraine and other parts of the war effort. I think uh, a lot well, of yeah, they just dropped billions of dollars for Taiwan uh, recently. Yeah, and they want to they want to um, have them buy a lot of their weapons, which I don't understand where they're getting weapons from because they're running out of weapons with. Uh, supplying to Ukraine, um, they're like behind, so I don't even know where this is coming from. <laughs> but they prioritize they like our viewers so for you to understand. They prioritize that when there's 13 of damage that should be in the United States. Um, it's a big number. I didn't even know it was that bad. <laughs> yeah it's it's not looking great working in the field of engineering myself it's pretty distressing having to you know work and design on projects that are so much of it is just like reconstructing what's already there just to kind of keep it you know maintain the best you can but even then you know it's it's never enough and it's a Mm. lot of like the design that uh this whole country was built around you know, uh, like um, cars and stuff. And, you know, I always like to mention that the 
you know, the reason for this sort of why our uh, infrastructure is so much more expensive compared to other countries is largely due to suburbanization. Uh, basically, countless studies have, are, have come out talking about how suburbanization is uh, basically not profitable by any means in the long term. It is uh, basically a large Ponzi scheme of you have to build more suburbs in order to pay for repairs on previous suburbs. And, mm. uh, you know, when cities start running out of land, like they already are, you see a lot of these cities going bankrupt in the United States. You know, several uh, cities have already filed for bankruptcy, but a lot of that is because uh, just maintaining roads with such low density in the suburbs is uh, unsustainable. And the reason why, America cares so much largely has to do with uh, white flight from cities in the 1950s and such. Mm. Uh, when all the white folk moved out of the cities, uh, you know, they insisted that they still get the same level of infrastructure uh, that they were getting in the cities. And uh, so a lot of our infrastructure basically uh, catered to the will of the white suburbanites who uh, moved out of the cities. And as a result of that, people that are living in the cities, you know, largely people of color have been basically paying the buck in their taxes. And uh, there's a lot of interesting data showing like how, how much more uh, people that live in urban areas pay to just to keep suburbs uh, well-maintained. All right. You just said a lot of eye openers right there that even I didn't even realize, like, I understand redlining and 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 separation and all this stuff like that but i didn't realize that the whole concept of a suburb um i mean i should have i mean clearly yeah because white flight happened all the white people started leaving and they want to go to suburbs but i didn't realize that the cost to keep up the suburbs is also a big issue as well too and it's making the cities be bankrupt that's basically what, like, what? Wow. So basically, suburbs are an issue. <laughs> yeah. If we want to continue this society, we have, like, suburbs have to be reevaluated. Um, yeah. Absolutely. There's a, there's a saying, there's a statistic I read about that. They said that in Texas alone, the world population, if they all was to stand together arm to arm, the whole entire world population could fit in Texas. So, that tells me that if we build cities that make it more feasible and more access with public transportation and stuff like that, it economically is better than building suburbs. But everybody wants to, it's like the standard in America. You want to have a white house and the picket fence, basically. Yeah. It's definitely been, you know, sold as the American dream, which, you know, is, is very whitewashed in terms of like, you know, cause that is just taking up, uh, way more land and way more space than is that in the end of the day economically environmentally uh sustainable um wow like i said because you know to like explain it basically conceptually you know when you think about like just in terms of utilization of like utilities such as when you build a suburb you have these long roads with you know maybe only a few houses on them but all of these right. houses have to have electricity and water and septic and all of these things and right. so you have these massive utilities that are only serving a tiny tiny portion of people 
Um, whereas in the cities, you know, it's much more cost effective to have a water line go through that serves, you know, a building that has, you know, 20 people living in it or something like that. And, um, but again, you know, they make uh, the cities make the folks living in the inner city and towards the downtowns pay for the outward expansion of the suburbs, which are by far more expensive than anything that's going on in the city. Mm. So. Mm. And so, and people in the suburbs, uh, I don't know how, um, I never grew up in the suburbs. I always been a city guy, but I, I did grow up, I did grow up partly in North Carolina, which is, uh, not considered suburbs. It's the country is, it's a rural era, right? That's like what you'll call it a rural, a rural era. It took yeah. me a while to understand the difference between a suburb and a rural era, uh, for a while, but now I finally get it. Um, and I, I see exactly what you mean. Cause so like, basically the costs. So are they spending the same amount? No, no, actually they're actually they're not, right? Because a majority of people they still own their houses in the suburbs, right? Yeah. So they also have to pay out of pocket to contribute towards fixing the water pipeline or sewage, whatever that happens to their home. But when the city has to fix when the town has to fix it, it the cost is similar to the cost of the city. Or is it um, also is it is it more because it's uh, a lot more land? Because I know that it's less people being serviced than the city when that happens. It's a lot less more people. But is it is that what it is? It's like the same price. It's yeah. It's it's the same price. Um, it's just wow. that in terms of you know our taxes pay for these things for the towns right. to come in and build these roads and build these utilities, and so it's just a matter of getting a return on the public and investment that our neighborhoods, mm. and you know it's a lot more cost effective to build a water line for a house of twenty people, uh, mm-hmm. and then you can get taxes from twenty people to pay for that. Whereas in a suburb, you have you know, even more utilities over a long stretch of road to service three people. And those three people, either their taxes have to be incredibly high to uh, pay for the entire road that they live on and all of those utilities, mm-hmm. or that funding has to come from somewhere else. In rural it towns... comes from the city. Yeah. And, yeah. Wow. When there are suburbs that are near the cities, the all that funding comes from inside the city where they, you know, the higher density population is that is taxed and that goes yeah. outwards to paying for the denser areas where less people are, are living. So before you get to rurals, so basically you're saying that me and my partner living in this small apartment and the taxes that we pay also helps out with the suburbs like Beaver Hills, um, Westville, of New Haven and in the Cove, where all those nice houses and mansions, those, those suburban areas, we're basically the basically the city and the inner city people, black and brown people, which is majority in the city, are paying for their maintenance as well too, because we are de- a dense population compared to how small the population is in the suburbs. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what, what the it fuck? is. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about robbing the. The poor, yo. <laughs> yep. Oh my god, it's, it's a very capitalist, very racist approach that you know kind of <laughs> is unfortunate, but not surprising coming from America. Mm-hmm. I never knew that. There's always so much things about infrastructure that 
you don't think about like that's crazy uh, it's a large part and like you know railroads play a large part of that if you want to get into talking about the railroad strike and sort of the train right. infrastructure in general because mm-hmm. um, you know trains play a huge part despite the fact that they are also underfunded and um haven't seen any major updates in decades but uh like just looking at the uh railroad strike that was set to begin today um you know freight uh 30 percent of all freight and just goods transported in the united states is by rail um wow and that's a big significant uh, number yeah, that is a huge number uh, or proportion of like goods that are transported via freight, and um, but you see with the uh, workers that are uh, planning on going on strike, their conditions have been getting worse and worse because uh, all of our trains and trains lines are privatized. Uh, you can argue, wow. except for Amtrak, which is sort of a public-private partnership. Where the government has the major or is the majority stakeholder, but the government doesn't own the rail lines that Amtrak trains run on. So even though Amtrak itself has these trains that run and uh, you know are are somewhat publicly funded, the vast majority of our train networks are privately owned. And you have what you have then is just a large, completely disorganized uh, rail network. I uh, like wow. to point out the that in the UK they had nationalized train network for a long time, and due to a lot of lobbying um, uh, from the rich folk there, they managed to convince the government to privatize or defund, and then eventually privatize the entire rail network, and that ended up being so disastrous. It resulted in multiple train crashes because multiple companies were having to uh, communicate together and like fares, uh, prices rose incredibly. Like there was a huge movement to basically renationalize the train network, which the UK government largely gave into eventually. Mm-hmm. But that's just an example of how bad a privately run train network is. And you can't even like the reason why it's so difficult is because all of our train networks are all interconnected in such a Mm -hmm. huge way like i used to run our work on the railroad uh, myself for a couple jobs and we'd be working on one section of rail and then there's like a slight turn in the tracks and that's no longer amtrak that's now this company so we can't cross that line if something has to be done those tracks a new team has to be hired that's certified by that company to go on. And it's just like this huge complicated mess. And, um, but that's why you see uh, this uh, possible union strike to be such a big deal, because even though it's only uh, on certain lines of the United States, uh, Mm -hmm. it basically would cause all of the train networks in our country to grind to a halt because all of our rail networks are so interconnected, even though they're owned by private entities. And, um, but you can see definitely like the the massive power that like uh, our rail network and like the workers that work on them have uh, throughout right. this whole process. Like this has been an ongoing process. The uh, Biden already had to step in two months ago 
in an order. What did to... he do actually? Like, because I heard that they had talk. They spoke to him yesterday, and whatever he said to them is the reason why they they decided not to strike. So, what the hell did Biden say to Amtrak? <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, to sort of like wind back the clock a little bit and talk about mm-hmm. just like how the government generally interacts with these kinds of like the railroad and rail strikes. And the last major rail strike was exactly 30 years ago uh, in mm-hmm. uh, 1992. And it was actually a lo- much smaller amount of uh, workers that were threatening to strike. But even though it was a smaller network or number of workers, it still would have resulted in the entire shutdown of all U.S. freight. And wow. that became a massive uh, emergency for the federal government. And so once again, that that time was the Bush administration um, had to step in and they ended up uh, giving Bush in. Senior, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, or, no, Bush Jr.? Bush Jr. 1992. Oh, yeah, no, Bush Sr. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh presidents um (laughs) and um but yeah so basically uh they uh there was a or what companies have already done here but they did back in 1992 is called a lockout where they uh start cutting off rail lines basically in anticipation of a strike and this Mm -hmm. is basically to put pressure on the federal government to come in and the real uh, company's demands are to force their workers to go back to work without accepting a deal. And that is right. why they do these lockouts. Um, so this did bring the government to the table and they, uh, the Bush administration at that time did take the side of the rail companies and, or for the most part, and immediately instituted a, um, uh, I believe it was the Railway Labor Act, but they basically used it to force the workers to go back to work. They basically made it illegal to strike if you're a rail worker. Wow. And their secession to the union was that they also, or it was more to keep the economy going, was they also made it illegal to do the lockout. Um, and that uh, kind of set the precedent of the federal government to play a role in these negotiations since freight and rail networks are such a large part of how our country is built and that wow. um uh so basically uh that's sort of the backdrop and setting the stage for what happened uh these past few months which is the union uh threatened to strike i think it was back in july um mm-hmm. but Biden used that same sort of precedent and the Railway Labor Act to stop the strike, tell everybody to go back to work. And in the act, it's basically a two-month cooling off period. So Mm -hmm. the strike doesn't happen. Workers are forced to go back to work. And the lockout doesn't happen until two months are up. And then, theoretically, the unions are free to strike. Um, so that's what happened. So he basically just prolonged their protests. He just prolonged their, 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 their strike. Yeah. And that was a big criticism of when it, they did the same thing in 1992. There is lots of people complaining that you're just can prolonging this, but that's what Biden did. Um, right. and so today was the day that it was set to end so that the union can go on strike. And you already saw that the train networks ahead of, uh, today 
um, earlier this week already started locking down again, canceling long-term uh, train routes. Um, As they should. Running to do more because they wanted to once again have the federal government step in and intervene and ideally lobby them to give them the better deal uh, and to kind of force the workers to accept a uh, a worse deal than the one that they want. Um, but unlike in 1992, this is, you know, a large amount of workers. I think it's 115,000 real uh, workers were wow. theoretically going to be a part of the strike. It was multiple unions across the nation. It would have uh, definitely been enough to, you know, stop effectively 100% of all freight. And given how weak the supply chain is already, uh, given everything with COVID and, and whatnot, is definitely it would have been a nail in the coffin of our economy, which people already say is headed towards a recession, but that would definitely cause that. Um, but Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. But um, so I don't know exactly what Biden said. But I imagine that due to the just the sheer amount of labor uh, workers that are involved and threatening to strike, as well as sort of the rising tide of unions that have been propping up uh, all over the United States, um, there's just a lot of pressure to, uh, as opposed to 1992, to uh, lean closer to the union side. And so whatever mm. Biden said clearly took uh, more of the side of the worker because the tentative deal that they signed was um, that the union workers would see a 24% increase in pay uh, over five years, as well as a $5,000 bonus every year. And uh, the main sticking point of why the strike was happening is workers weren't allowed sick leave. So if you got COVID, if you had a heart attack, what? you would be reprimanded and punished and deducted pay um, for taking a day off because rail workers are largely forced to be on call 24-7. Um, so if their employer calls, they have to work. Even if they're sick and if they physically can't go because they're sick, then they are still punished for not going in. Um, so that was the large impetus for this uh, strike was sort of the stripping away of uh, sick leave, especially given the pandemic and everything really put the pressure on uh, the workers and the rail companies leading to leading up to the strike, as well as, you know, uh, all these freight companies have been seeing record smashing profits uh, in the past couple of years. We're talking, you know, tens of billions of dollars in profits. And because all of these rail networks are privately owned, all of those profits are going to the CEOs of whatever company owns them rather. And none of that is getting uh, back to the workers. In fact, you know, the real wages of rail workers have been decreasing for decades. And despite these, these record profits and eventually uh, due to COVID and the sick leave uh, is finally enough to get the workers to want to strike, which is obviously a huge deal for our nation, such that Biden had to step in himself and go on like a 20 hour meeting. Um, but yeah, it's definitely 20 it's, hour meeting. Wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. that's a lot for Biden. <laughs> yeah. He's old as hell. I, I, I yeah. hope that he was present that whole 20 hours. I really do. Yeah. So, but, um, 
Yeah. So, I mean, that's just, this is just a huge, great example of just how powerful um, labor unions and workers are and how essential we are to this country that just because this uh, one group of unions that are running the rails threatened to strike, it created effectively a national emergency and President Biden himself had to step in and basically meet most of the workers' demands. Uh, yeah, just to avert he's always this used to just ignoring shit. He's always used yeah. to just ignoring shit. So. Yeah, he just <laughs> ignores everything. I think, you know, it's only just now I saw something in the news where he put money towards fixing the water crisis in Jackson, Mississippi. But that's wow. been going on for, you know, a very long, like, I believe, like, month or two now where, you yeah. know, people in Jackson, Mississippi have no clean water and doesn't react to that. But when railway workers go on strike, um, right. all of a sudden he cancels all of his plans and goes on a twenty-hour meeting. Um, yeah. And, and that, people are saying that like that whole that thing, two months, two months it, that's a lot because, because sewage that's getting into their water with the the water they're supposed to drink, a lot of stuff that's getting into the water. It's not like you could just get a uh, a, a filter. And just pour it through. That's not going to clean that. That's that's just going to make it like you know. I mean, it might be a lighter color, but <laughs> it's not. It's not going to be drinkable. Like for two months, they had to deal with that, and he's finally sending money. Like that's that just tells you how much of a non-working class president of Biden that we have. Like he claims he's a labor. He's a labor president. He's a labor Democrat. He's a union Democrat. He posts a nice little tweet about unions and all this shit on Twitter on Labor Day. And I called him out for that shit. I fucking made a video about how he doesn't even acknowledge Starbucks that's where there's 200 stores unionizing. And he doesn't even acknowledge that because he's getting money from Starbucks. Starbucks is a huge donor to the Democratic Party. So of course he's not going to say nothing about fucking Starbucks illegally union busting. Like, he's He's literally waiting until the fire gets big, like this whole Amtrak thing, and be like, God damn it, I have to do something. And he could have definitely tried to do something earlier on before it gets this goddamn traumatic. Yeah, like, exactly. And, you know, I believe what I saw in the article I read today was Biden's putting $5 million towards um, fixing the infrastructure there. But, you know, as you just said, you know, in the blink of an eye unanimously a billion dollars of weapons were sent to taiwan we've sent tens right. of billions of dollars to ukraine all of this money is going uh outwards towards war and meanwhile inside our country everything is crumbling whether it's the working conditions of our workers working on the rail the railroad network itself falling apart the uh american society of civil engineers rated our trail network like a d minus i believe uh, is it is not in great shape and even the uh, incident in jackson mississippi is a further example of what i was sort of explaining before where the funding for infrastructure is pulled out of cities and put towards maintaining suburbs because you don't see like you know these big issues uh in the suburbs aren't uh nearly as frequent but you have cities like Jackson, Mississippi, especially ones that are majority black and brown people um, are severely neglected and all of their funding uh, at the city and state level goes to making sure that white people in suburbs are comfortable and they have all of their needs. And we see that like this is the end result of that is water lines uh, 
along the roads crumbling within the city and causing a massive disaster. So this is sort of an ongoing policy failure by, you know, both the Democrats and the Republicans over decades of, you know, perpetuating this, this racist system as well as, uh, you know, just right now failing to react to it in a timely fashion, uh, you know, at all. Two months later, finally Biden does something. Right, right. Oh my God. All right. We're getting down to the wire. And I just want to put, I want to bring up a, a good example of people that actually focus on infrastructure and stuff like that. Um, and make it made transportation and all this stuff like public transportation actually better. Like China being a 5,000 year old country that's able to fix their infrastructure and make it more easier for you to have public transit service. And they're even, fixing infrastructure in other countries is shit now like that's how that's how amazing they are and that's a that's a socialist country compared to a capitalist country that continues to say that china is trying to uh colonize africa when they literally just forgave all like not all but a good amount of the loans that were um they, they literally like forgave a lot of loans that they were helping with African countries. So that's not colonialization at, at all people. That's actually trying to be a helping hand. Um, w- would you agree with that, T- Tanya? Absolutely. I believe I saw recently that through the Belt and Road Initiative, uh, China and African countries are planning on building a high-speed uh, rail network throughout Africa. And, you know, given because of that investment, uh, Africa will likely have a high speed rail system sooner than the United States. Um, We don't have no high speed rail system at all. Nowhere. No. And like, you know, with (laughs) it costs for most of the major rail plans, like the one going through California, which services, you know, a massive portion of the U.S. population, uh, as well as. Uh, plans that have been made for and you know the entire east coast and east side of the country even getting a real speed a high speed rail network it would cost about 100 billion which is about 10 percent of the and that's over 10 years uh that wow. the project would go over but that is you know 10 percent of what our country spends on the military every year wow, wow. so um well that's imagine- a good note to end on for people to to like get a full understanding of how fucked it is. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Tanya, for coming on and, again, giving us some knowledge about the, the current infrastructure that's happening in this country and how much we are backwards and we need to, like, literally, like, get rid of the system if we want to literally, like, make changes like this because clearly the system is built just to let this whole country crumble and we're literally not going to have any transportation in any form if this keeps happening. (laughs) It's fucking bad. We definitely need to push for more infrastructure investment, both, you know, federal, state, and municipal levels, uh, and definitely breaking on car dependency, which is going to, you know, force us into higher density environments and slowly get rid of the suburbs so we can start working towards something that is, you know, financially and environmentally sustainable. Right. Thank you so much, Tanya, for coming on, and I hope you have a good day. And have a good day, everyone. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm a black, brown, and indigenous. Gotta holla if you're really feeling this. Gotta holla if you're really real enough. Other rappers is delirious. Yeah, it's really that serious. Better holla if you're really feeling me. 
I gotta keep it a hundred. Hey, if you don't like it, then fuck it. Hey, we gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna live in abundance. I gotta keep it a hundred. Hey, if you don't like it, then fuck it. Hey, we gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna, we gonna, we gonna. I gotta keep it a hundred. We gotta stop all the stunting. You know we coming from nothing. Yo, you talking about money? You bluffing. We gotta do something different. We gotta change how we living. We gotta do better for women. We gotta do better for children. We gotta listen to victims, whether Jewish or Muslim or Christian. It doesn't matter your religion. You gotta stand against the system, or else you're just another villain. How you just sitting there chilling?